Welcome to Circuitous Conversations with Bill and Dan, episode 32. 32. That's right. For Monday, April 11th, 2011. 2011. I know. It's a good year. 2011. It's yeah. April 11th. It's like 0411 Yeah, something like that. <laughs> something. If we were recording at 1111. Oh, um, that'd be awesome. So, Music. Music. Let's you talk are about a musician. Music. I'm a musician. I too am a musician. Or at least I was a musician. You are more of a musician than I am nowadays. Which is funny because you're the one who went to music school. Funny that, isn't it? Yeah. And I well, I'm the one who went to art school and you're the, you know, you're the one who's been a professional photographer longer than me. It doesn't really make any sense. Ah, uh, you know, it's okay. It, it'll all <laughs> it'll it'll all work out in the end. I'm I'm certain. All right. So, what I was thinking about was the fact that I listen to much of the same music I listened to 10 years ago. Yeah, I could say that about myself. I don't listen to a lot of new stuff. In fact, I think I mentioned to you before, I look at the iTunes greatest hits list people, and other than Glee, I have no idea who who most of the people are. Yeah, you're talking about like like what's popular, like the top sellers right now. Yeah, basically like the the Billboard Hot 100. Like I, I, I have no idea who any of these people are. Me neither. Might as well be all hipsters, for all I know. I think they are all hipsters. Could be. But I guess the question is, is this true of everybody? No. You know? No, I do not think so. Okay, uh, so so why is it that people get stuck on the music? What kind of music did you listen to? Uh, uh, do you know, do, do you, if people suggest things to you now, do you go out and actually listen to them, and do they actually keep sometimes? It's it's tricky. Um not, not having put a ton of thought into this, I'm just going to go off the top of my head here. Sure. And if I had to analyze this thing that we're talking about, I would say there's a few key factors uh, that get put into it. First of all, um, let's see. And these are no particular order. I'm sure one, one might be more significant than the other. But the first thing that comes to my mind, uh, at least in the context of you and I, is A, like you said, we are both uh, – Musicians, you and I have both spent a little bit more, if not a lot more, time than the average music consumer um, in in the whole music frame of mind. Uh, I think it's fair to say that people who are just big fans of music, but who aren't musicians, don't have the same relationship to music that musicians do. Um, to the extent, I mean, and, and I could even go one step further and say that certain musicians. Um, become like let their actual instrument and let their their technique and what have you um influence their their uh, their choices as well for example uh you know i'm sure uh people who are really into uh you know the classical music uh, you know the kids who studied violin and and piano and stuff like that Those are going to be way kids. more well you know the ones i'm talking about the ones sure. who, who started their way, way Yaman, Emmanuel Axe and all that stuff right and then you know on the other end of the spectrum we have the kids who you know were into the electric guitar and the drums who were into rush and and van halen and all those you know heavy duty and Vinnie Caliuta. Uh, and Vinnie Caliuta and Frank Zappa and all those monsters. Steve Vai. Right, exactly. And uh, wait, who's the bass player? Stu Ham. Stu Ham, yeah. yeah. And Joe Satriani, all that's those That's some jobs. good stuff right there. Yeah, all those dudes. Um, so, so I, you know, but that's but here's the funny thing. Oh, it's just it's really funny. I actually was having a chat with my friend Jeff about this just last night. He forwarded me this link. So Jeff's, Jeff's wife has started to take uh, drum lessons. Okay, uh, at age she, what? Um, I'm going to guess she's, she can't be much older than 30. I would Does say she want to be Karen Carpenter? I don't know. No, no. I think she's just looking for something to do. Okay. Um, she, she, she's a pretty lovely singer and she can play the acoustic guitar. Um, and I guess she just, she just want to learn how to play the drums. So she, you know, she got herself a little practice pad and a snare drum and a rudiments book. And I'm not sure if she's taking lessons. As far as getting started on the drums, it's not terribly difficult. Once someone, once you have like that, you know, one or two, or depending on how quickly you pick things up, you know, four or five initial lessons with someone who just shows you the proper technique as far as how to hold the sticks, right. um, and then you know how to how to properly execute a stroke. Then it's um, just getting the muscle memory of doing. Well, things and separately. then it's just fucking practicing. I mean, then it's just literally just sitting down with a book, you know, yeah. and 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 watching those little L's and R's above all the little you know quarter notes and eighth notes, and just running through it. You know, yeah. just getting getting it under your. Yeah. Under 
yeah, once you get the like skin. regimentation stuff on the snare drum and then yeah the all, all that's it's not I'm, I'm not to say that you know not to, not to discourage anyone from going and taking lessons i mean that's part of the the the, uh, the discipline you know is, is having someone assign you specific exercises just like working sure. out or whatever but but at the same t- you know i i'm personally you know being a little bit more autodidactic than most do you I, think I, that I, drums are more that way than other instruments i don't know i don't know I, I i only know how to play the drums Arguably, properly maybe easier to teach yourself Maybe I mean, like I, I mean, said, it's it's very obvious how you do it. It's not to say that it's easy, but it's all there how it all works. I, I guess so. I mean, that's how it worked for me. I taught myself how to do it. Um, yeah. When it, you know, as far as the drum set is concerned, I mean, I you know, I picked up a pair of sticks in the fourth grade, and you know, whenever when everyone else was told to you know pick an pick instrument, up sticks. Yeah. Well, an instrument. You know, we had a little band in, in our elementary school, and, and you uh, chose. Drums. I chose the drums. Yeah, I was, and it was weird because it wasn't. I was only maybe one of like four or five kids. But, you know, we had a really wide dispersion of, of variety. You know, didn't lots everyone of want to play the drums? You'd think so, but uh, there were a lot of. You know, I think we had more trumpets than anything in our in our class. Yeah, I started um, out on alto sax, then went to baritone trumpet, then to baritone horn, then to tuba. Huh. That's All interesting. By the time I graduated from high school. Wow. So you actually no, know how to play by those junior things. year? Yeah, I jumped between instruments. Interesting. I didn't like the alto sax because I didn't like having a wet piece of wood in my mouth. The whole idea of a reed freaked me out. Yeah, I never understood the reed thing. I mean, it I felt, get it. It but felt it weird. Like it makes it makes me pucker. Yeah, thinking about it. The thing that discouraged me from uh, from wind instruments was that I had this really weird memory once um, where I got very short of breath. I'm, I want to say I was inflating some sort of a pool toy or some some other you know one of those things with a little clear you know flip top inflator thingies you know like a like a beach ball or something sure and i, I just had this weird valve oh yeah it goes kind of a valve yeah with, with the, you know the one with the little flip top stopper that you can then press all the way in and it recesses into the into sure. the body of the thing um so i just I, I guess it was right around the time where i had this really awful experience getting super dizzy and lightheaded from you know just from hyperventilating Little did I know that that was a, a temporary one-off thing, not like a, a condition that I had. <laughs> but that yeah. was enough to convince me that I couldn't, you know, wind instrument, you know, instruments that you needed to blow into to make a noise were not for me. Okay. Um, and then on top of that, I did just, I just felt this sort of natural tendency to uh, to the drums. Although I guess if someone had had kind of taken the time and explained to me the the bass, I might have gone that route because I still feel like uh, bass lines are. You know, my first, I, I seem to remember them the quickest. And I mean, maybe it's just because drums, you know, drum lines and drum patterns are just so natural to me. I don't, I don't, you know, obsess over them anymore. But, you know, it's um, funny. I could actually, if, if I saw you on the street and somebody said, what does he play? Yeah. I could totally see you playing a bass. Yeah. I just, you I kind of got to like that, that kind of like Lee Scalar kind of thing going on. <laughs> Come on, know really? Him? I do. <laughs> Are you comparing my old beard to his giant beard? Lee Scholar's a badass bass player, yeah, dude. His nickname is Father Time. Come on, dude. Yeah, seriously. He's, like the guy just lays it down. He's amazing. He's I, amazing. Uh, I've seen him play live a number of times because he he toured with uh, James Taylor when I saw him a couple times. Sure. I mean, he's, but it's just it's so solid that it's just kind of it's scary. Yeah, it's like you wonder is that, is that recording? How does yeah. he do that every fucking note? Yeah, it just Jesus lays Christ. it down. Anyway, sorry. Anyway, sorry. so um, the, the the main point that I was making is that I think people who spent time as a musician um, and who who learned to think like a musician or are more more actually I would say more relevantly um, who who learned to listen like a musician who hear who hears music through musicians ears um that's going to have an influence on some of the decisions that you make that will eventually become you know your taste or whatever you want to say you right. know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so i think that's that's one factor to, to weigh in uh, another factor is um the, the the generational factor like the fact that you and i are of, of a of, you know obviously we're of the same vintage um, and we sort of witnessed Vintage. this whole internet. Well, whatever. You know, I got the, you. No, I got you. We witnessed the whole development of the internet, the, the evolution of the MP3, the whole digital music thing. True. And uh, you talk to a kid who you know is now just picking up an instrument for the first time. You know, age somewhere between age I don't know uh, eight and thirteen. Um, who has Google and YouTube and, and any number of other, you know, websites that you can easily just type in a couple of words and boom, you've got a whole bunch of recordings that you can just literally push the button and listen to. Right. That's a totally different thing than what you and I went through during our original yeah. discovery phase, like where we had to either hear about it from someone who told us right. or someone's older brother had this record and you had to go sure. to his house to listen to it. Well, you know, 
I will say that I did have a, a slight advantage on that. Right, with your dad owning a record store. Yeah, yeah. that might that might be a little bit. But, but it's the, funny because my father was not a big music fan, you know. I mean, well, here, let me ask you a question. How many CDs do you own now? Uh, how many CDs? Do, <laughs> that's a tricky question. Okay, uh, how many CDs did you own at your height of actually owning physical CDs? Uh, I don't know. Hundreds? Three or four hundred, maybe. Okay. So you weren't like a huge music buyer. Buyer? No. Yeah. Not okay. at all. <laughs> Interesting. No. no. Yeah. And and now how many uh if you were starting out today, yeah. would you instead spend the eight or ten dollars a month and go for one of those services that has almost everything you can imagine? Um maybe. You know, I mean, you know, the one thing I have a problem with those things is that? that it's useless for somebody who needs to go on the subway. Yeah, because it's all streaming. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're out and, and are you really going to use your two gigs a month downloading music all day long? I don't know. You know? Yeah. It's a, it's a weird thing that that's actually becoming more po- – like I know a lot of people who use Pandora all the time on their iPhone or their Android phone. Yeah, And Pandora. I think you've got to be using a gig a month or two gigs. You're probably going over your limit listening to music all day long. Um, on you your know, mobile cause... device you're talking yeah, about. Right? Yeah. A lot of them are doing it like on their phone yeah, and not on Wi-Fi. I don't know. I don't know how it works. Anyway, would would you do that kind of subscription thing or would you? I, you know, it's tough because it's I, weird for us because we grew up not doing that. Like yeah, we well, owned our music. Well, there's that. And then I also grew up as a software pirate. You know, I grew up sure. as someone who sort of got a kick, at, you know, turned it, turned it into a game of, of, you know, knowing how and where to find things. Sure. Um, and it got to the point where it's like, well, geez, this, this doesn't really make a ton of sense. I mean, I can, I can get what I need to by taking these steps and. You know, and I guess yeah. if, if 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 it ever got to the point where where it became too much of a hassle or just physically became impossible, then yeah, maybe I would consider doing that. But at this point, you know, I've been doing things for the same way and the same sort of te- you know technique for for years now, and it's and it's really well it suited me really well. So you know, funny enough, I if I find stuff to download, I want to get high quality. Yeah, yeah. Well, you have that audiophile. Button. I'm an audiophile nerd, yeah. Yeah. I, so I I'm looking for FLAC files. I'm looking for lossless, you know, if I'm looking for something. And a lot of times I'm looking for something obscure that I can't find even if I wanted to on sure. Amazon or iTunes. No, sure. But anyway, yesterday I got, a, I got a bit of a Bob Dylan bug this week. Huh. Yeah, which we can get to later. Um, and so I wanted to fi- – I found a f- FLAC copy of um, – what's that record? Oh. Freewheelin'. With Bob uh, Dylan, the one not, with him and the girl walking down the street on the cover. Yeah, I don't, real not famous a, album. Not a Bob Dylan. Fan. Okay, it's it's his second it's his second record. Okay, and uh, I found these flak files, and I'm looking at them. I'm like, those are really big, and so I go and look, and they're 2496. Oh, flak nice. files, and I'm like, Fancy. where did these come from? And then I notice there's a text file, right, and the what they are. Yeah, no, not a log file, an actual like hand. Oh, an actual text like a readme. I got yeah. it. There's a readme that says. Basically, these were an SACD played through some Marantz SACD deck into Apogee converters. Wow. Fancy. Saved down to 2496. So you must have gotten a little boner when you saw that, huh? And, you know, I mean, that can can mean a lot of things, right? There could be... Sure. It could still sound like ass. No, but still, I mean, um, you really can't ask for more than that. I no, mean, you can't ask for the more next than that. best thing would be, oh, this is just a dump from the from the twenty four track master. You know, we just exactly. kind of <laughs> yeah. Assuming that the 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 SACD was well prepared, it should be pretty damn good, and it does sound good. Sweet. But it's funny. One time I found it's too bad it's Bob Dylan. <laughs> well, see, I like Bob Dylan. Um, <laughs> no, but I mean, yeah. you don't want not to well, you not, know, you not know, to knock it, but Bob Dylan, you know, he's sure. he doesn't really rise to the top of the list of like sonically no 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 but but at the same time somebody who plays like that there's a lot of information in the original analog tape that doesn't make it on to the original crappy like mastered cd the first one you know i'm sure Sure. the remasterings of these things have done a lot better because they've gotten better at that they've got better converters and all the rest of it Uh but there's like there's there's low-level stuff in his voice or in the guitar or hearing into the studio where he was. Stuff like that is interesting to me. Sure, sure, sure. Um, anyway, some, sometimes I find FLAC files that are ripped from LPs. They're like, this is a 180-gram copy of some big star record played on this turntable with this arm with this cartridge. <laughs> sure. Recorded in the same kind of thing. It's just yeah, kind of yeah. like, wow, these people are really trippy. I but mean, I also I- love – but here's the thing that kills me, Dan. Yeah. It is a better version of this freewheeling. Yeah. Then I could possibly buy legally online. Yeah. 
It yeah. sh- I shouldn't be able to get a better version illegally than I could legally. I, I don't know. I mean, you could say the same thing about um, art theft, you know? No, I know, but I'm just saying that, like, give me an option to buy that for $10, and I'll buy it for $10, but I'm not going to buy a crappy compressed AAC version for 10 bucks. Yeah, know? I mean, I, my, my, I'm, I don't know. I mean, I, I think On top the of the thing... fact that I've owned all half these albums three times all over already, you know? Right. No, but, you know, if someone goes and, you know makes a, a, an actual hand-painted replica of, of a master painting versus someone who does, like, a photograph and makes a really nice print. Yeah. You know, obviously it's not, you know, the, the, the actual painting one is going to look a lot nicer, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It's not the it's just, it's just it's No, I know, but it just kills me. Is <laughs> I just wish that Sony would put out a nice flak file. Who knows? So, I mean, anyway. I, at, at some point in time, every everyone's yeah. going to get there. But, um, but, you know, I still have a CD rack with about 500 CDs, and I've got another rack full of cds that i've now put into books right. so i probably had close to a thousand cds right um but it's funny because you rip these things and you don't really like you don't need every track on the record you know sure so you i mean yeah you could manually dump these things in and itunes does a pretty good job of where you can set it up where if you put a disc in it automatically puts it and spits it back out yeah so you could like kind of just sit there do what you're doing and every time yeah. it kicks it out just it put it, pops it out yeah yeah sure um but still, it's like most of the time I don't want every track on a CD. You know, I'm not that guy. Right. Uh, so it's kind of annoying to have to go do, go through all that stuff. But yeah. it's funny because I still listen to the same stuff I listen to. And Heather and I were talking about this the other day because um, there's a band called Buffalo Tom. You ever hear of them? Uh, sounds familiar. They were like around the time when you and I were in college. Okay. Um, they were like this college band from Boston. The 90s. The 90s, yeah. And uh, Buffalo Tom... Uh, the lead singer is this guy named Bill Janovitz, who is a big Boston music guy. And uh, and Heather happens to know their family really well. In fact, I posted a thing on my blog a few weeks ago where I shot pictures for a CD cover for a kid. And he's like standing up on a soapbox. Did you see that? I think so. I'm, anyway, I mean, yeah. that's that's Bill Janovitz's little brother, uh-huh. uh, Tom, who was doing a CD. Anyway, the point of this is that like I started – Melissa and I years ago, my sister and I started noticing – these uh buffalo tom tracks in tv commercials and stuff huh and it's kind of funny because it's like oh the people we went to school with who liked this music are now (laughs) in the position to suggest this music yeah yeah. in an ad it's sort of like this weird life cycle yeah you know it's that's (laughs) and that's that kind of comes around to that other that other thing that i was just talking about yeah the uh oh and then i guess the final factor uh coming back to my original uh, thing is the the fact that uh, obviously the recording industry has has seen a major change since when Huge. you and I first started listening. Yeah. Um. Speci- I mean, I mean, it was it was changing even when we were starting too. Yep. But um, I, I mean, I don't, I remember. You know, you could call into a radio station to ask a, ask a DJ to play your song. I uh, remember that. Um, and and even though I think still by when we were kids, it, it, the the system was still sort of hacked, so to speak, um, yeah. uh, with the whole payola game. Um, but uh, but now, Jesus, now there's like no, there's no, you know, it's totally different now. Now, if you want that kind of stuff, what's interesting to me is 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 that because there are so many more people doing it, and it has become so much easier now to get that sort of um, whatever you want to call it, that sort of curated, you know, customized. Uh, personalized sort of take on music, you have to really dig and you have to find that dude who is doing the you know his own little personal radio show out of his out of his apartment or out of his dorm room and streaming it you know on internet radio you know yeah. like that's that's the you actually have to go like hunting for that yeah uh, whereas before that used to be like you know the whole mainstream thing well did you did you see there was a thing that came out last week which I can put in the show notes yeah um, I'll have to make a note of this. Uh, called information on information is beautiful.net and it says uh for a solo artist to earn U- u.s monthly minimum wage which is about 60 1100 dollars a month uh-huh they must sell if they were self-pressing their cds and selling them for 10 bucks it would they'd have to sell 143 of them to make a minimum wage yikes okay to sell them on cd baby and do the same thing they'd have to sell 155 uh-huh okay if they were on a label they would have to sell 1161 yeah Okay. On iTunes, they'd have to sell 1,229. Yep. Okay. 
if if they were downloading one track at a time, they'd have to sell twelve thousand tracks on Amazon or iTunes. Yikes. Okay. Now here's yep. the now the by the way the retail CD thing for eleven hundred of them is if you have a really high end royalty deal. Here's the thing though on Rhapsody. Yeah. For them to make minimum wage, their songs would have to be played 849,817 times per month. <laughs> yeah. It's not really a great way to make money. No. And Last FM would have to be played 1.5 million times. Yeah. I, I did On see Spotify, this, 4 this million times. Yeah. That, it's, that's a, for- it's like the music business has gone so far yeah. that like I don't understand how anyone is supposed to, you know. Well, here's how it works, man. I, and this is something I realized. There was a point in time when I was in Chicago... I was playing with a band called the Baldwin Brothers. Um, which, I like their music. That was good stuff. Yeah. You know, it really was. That, that's a really great story, too. Um, that way that, that whole thing came around. Um, maybe if we have time later, I'll, I'll, I'll tell the story. But long story short, I, I, you know, I was in this band. These guys had been signed to a label, and they were, they were doing the whole thing. You know, they kind of start – they'd been given the chance to make it. You know what I'm saying? Like nobody you, – you know, you don't just make it. But, they, you know, not sure. everyone gets the chance to make it. Um, and these guys were given that chance. And I was able to sort of get a taste of that. Um, and I started, you know, thinking about it and, and considering whether or not this was something I wanted to really take seriously and what have you. Um, and it, and it, I saw it firsthand. It's like, you know, dude, this is, this is not what most people think. Um, the record business is not set up to make um, artists money. No. <laughs> That's just not how it works. And, and what I learned um, was if you want to take home some cash – you need to sell some tickets and you need to sell some merch, you know, yep. you need to sell yep. shirts and stickers and whatever else, you know, that's, that's the money that goes into the actual artist's pocket. Right. And that was what, five, six, eight years ago. Yeah. That was like in 2003. So they, I mean, I wonder if now, if, if you were an independent artist and had a little buzz and were selling stuff on your MP3s off your own website. Yeah. I wouldn't bother selling MP3s. You wouldn't? No. I mean, I guess I would It just, it seems like it's so fruitless, you know, it's so such a waste. Yeah, but um, I mean, you're you're making a lot more, a much much larger chunk of the business selling it yourself rather than selling. Oh, I it see. Through. Like you're doing like through Bandcamp or something like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Which no, is would, just it's just, but it's amazing that as an independent artist, if you have a little bit of a following, yeah, you could theoretically sit around your house making music and ha- making a living at it. Yeah, in theory, arguably more than you could twenty years ago. That's true, because now the, the 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 mechanism is in place for a musician to do that. Yeah. Whereas it, whereas they it wasn't in the past. Right. But I I, I will still st- say you know stand by my 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 theory that uh, if you really want to make money as a musician, um, it's it's still selling tickets. Yeah. You know, it's, you sell, it's playing shows. Sell, selling tickets and selling shirts. I mean that's that's how you make the money. Unfortunately. Yeah. But a lot. It's uh, funny unless, because a lot of musicians don't like touring. Yeah, and I mean, the, the, don't get me wrong. That that's a very cynical point of view, obviously. But there's also, you know, the the very uh, lucrative sort of holy grail of, of licensing. You know, yeah. so if you if you're lucky enough to to have tunes that are catchy enough, or or know the right people who will pay you to to license, and that and, and if you think about it, that segues right into photography. It's the same thing. I mean, sure. how many amazingly talented photographers do we know? I mean, I know shitloads of amazing musicians and shitloads of amazing photographers and graphic artists, and it's not that any one of them doesn't, you know, I mean, any one of them could, could theoretically be making money sure. off of their stuff, but you got to know, you kind of have to, yeah. you know, get lucky. And there's some, some people. The weird thing you know, about that though, is that, yeah. I mean, even licensing, I remember, uh, who was it recently? Heather and I were talking to somebody who maybe it was one of my advertising buddies. Mm-hmm. And they were saying that some band sold their sort of all of their, their songs and their likeness to some vodka company. Oh, right. I saw, I heard about this too. And like, it was like the full international campaign. Right. And, and they, they were in the ads be, and everything. Yeah. Yeah. They had to be like the puppets of this company and yeah. basically do whatever they said. And yeah. they made a hundred thousand dollars or $120,000. The thing yeah. is that there's five guys in the band. Yeah. 120 grand divided by five. It's not a lot. Like, are you kidding me? It's $24,000 yeah. each. And then taxes out of that. Yeah. It's 15,000. Right. You know, $15,000 for for them to use your likeness for a year yeah for international worldwide yeah. global yeah, yeah. like it's, it's, it's crazy you know so it's funny it's like it sounds like oh wow 120 grand that's great and it's like but then when you start doing the math it's kind of like hmm yeah. you know i yeah. i had this i i mean i wanted to have this conversation with like imogen heap because she doesn't like touring or at least 
uh, on her, a lot of her Twitter stuff, she's always kind of like, kind of not down on touring. I mean, she says nice things, but she's kind of like, I'd really rather be at my place making new music. Right. And it's kind of like, okay, well, you sell your half million or million copies of your record. You, the, the, what kind of music you do, you're never going to sell 30 million copies. Like you just, it's, that's not the kind of music you make, you know? So, so nowadays you have your fan base. They'll buy anything you say because you have a million Twitter followers or whatever. Right. You know, stick even at if your 1%, house. Yeah, yeah. Even if 1% gets it, that's still yeah. a pretty decent take home. Don't tour, get rid of your label and sell the stuff yourself. Yeah. You could just sit at home making your music. It's the truth, man. Look at those kids from uh Pomplamoose. Oh yeah. The same I wonder thing, how man. much money they actually make. I think they do pretty goddamn well, dude. Um, yeah, but it's know. funny because the stuff that I like most of theirs are the covers. Yeah, I think most people are like that. Yeah. Um, did you see they got a they got a gig uh, doing an ad for Honda, some car company? It's a good gig. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Uh, they did the whole little behind the scenes thing. Yeah, on their on their YouTube thing, and then they they got to meet Ben Folds, dude. They got to collaborate with him. For well, a do you do you listen to do you listen to music on your iPod? Because I know I mean I know you you do a lot of podcasts, but do you listen to music too? It's funny. Um, I do sometimes. The way the way my my sort of away from the computer listening habits have been lately is I you know I have and I don't know we'll say a dozen different podcasts. That I'm in various states of, of currentness with. Um, so if I'm totally out of podcasts and I'm all caught up, then I will start listening to, to tunes. Okay. Um, and I have um, a couple of playlists in iTunes, um, you know, with, with stuff specifically to sync to my phone, um, which I will occasionally update or, or every once in a while when I'll do, a, you know, a, a restore on my iPhone. Um, sometimes those will get out of sync because I will have since moved the uh original items on my on my mac mini you know from one folder to the other and itunes is very stupid about losing track of original items unfortunately um even if it's on the same volume it doesn't it just just loses it but um uh yeah i guess if i'm in the mood for music i'll i i'll just put it on shuffle as a rule like the the tunes that i don't put whole albums on my ipod Um, you like shuffle yeah i've gotten into it recently um, I find that whenever I shuffle, I'm always kind of like, that's not what I want to hear next. Well, yeah, and I do that too. And I'll, I might skip 25 songs before I get to one I like, but then I'll leave it there, you know, okay. eventually. Um, and so I, you're I don't not have a big t- fan of Pandora then because that just sort of plays a bunch of stuff. And No, no, I don't, I don't have a Pandora account or any of that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I get it. And I've heard really good, good mixes come off of Pandora, actually more recently than ever. Um, what, Maybe they're getting good at that stuff then. Yeah, they're getting smart. They're getting smart. Um, so, that, yeah, there have been a couple ones. And I like the whole concept that you can share playlists with friends and stuff like that. Yeah, that so Spotify can... thing in the UK. Yeah, that's the shit. Andrea is always posting Spotify mixes like, here's the spring mix that I've made for everyone yeah. to listen to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a couple of European guys at work who kind of, because they have friends or credit cards, you know, that are What, do they tunnel through to yeah. Europe? Yeah, well, once you have the, the billing address set up, you can, you can actually still get the service. Oh, really? Your... It doesn't lock yeah. it out by IP? No, no, it's just billing. As far as I know, which I think is pretty crappy. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I think I had one other thing to say about the whole music thing. Um, well, do you, well, let me say, do you, do you listen to new stuff? If someone suggests, oh, you really got to listen to this new if band. Someone, if someone I who, like respect or someone who knows me, like, I, like if you or, right. or Claude or someone who, who I've spent a considerable amount of time with and who knows me as a musician – Right. Will say to me, dude, you have to listen to this. Then yeah, yeah. I'm going to listen to it. Yeah. Uh, if someone I don't know, someone I just met, you know, is like, oh, dude, these guys are awesome. Blah 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 blah. Right. You know, I might if we're standing in the same room together and, and he puts it on and I'll you know and we're listening to it. That, yeah, of course, I'll, I'll give it a right. I'll give it a shot. Um, but if I but, tell you this, the drummer that plays in this is like all pocket, and then you'll love it. Yeah, I'll take a yeah, I'll definitely yeah. take a listen for sure. Um, but um, but yeah, no, I'm the, the the honestly, I think the the most likely cause for me to find something new would be for to, to like to find something that's related to something I already like you know it's like oh well dude the, the the guy from this thing is now doing this thing oh okay well I like that shit so I'm gonna go check this shit out sure you know that's that's probably the most likely way for me to find something is through through some sort of like and, and it's honestly that's the same way people you know like the world works that's how people get jobs you know that's how people sure how people get gigs uh, is you know oh okay I remember when I worked on this one project and that guy was there and he was really cool so I'll give him another shot. You know, you get the benefit of familiarity. Familiarity is a, I think it's a really underrated or undervalued uh, concept that uh, 
that is extremely powerful in the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, yep. Um, my, you know, my sister was a much bigger music fan than I was growing up. Oh yeah. Is she a musician though? Did she play? Uh, she played piano when I played piano and then she kind of quit and I kept going. Uh, but, but, well, when did you start piano though? Seven. Oh, eight. I thought you said you were a trumpet player. Well, no, I did, but I, but that was like in fifth grade, right? So when I was 10 or something, but I played oh, piano sorry. before that. <laughs> okay. Um, I started playing piano like privately, you know, like. Yeah, I, I, took, I, I took piano lessons too, man. I took Suzuki, Suzuki lessons. Hell yeah, I, dude. Yeah. Claire uh, DeLune, yeah, the lame duck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Twinkle, twinkle, little star and 24 oh, variations. All that shit, dude. Do, 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 they sound like shitty Nokia ringtones now. Yeah, I know. It's funny. <laughs> My sister can still play that stuff. Yeah, man. Good stuff. Hey, your audio is getting a little quiet. Oh, sorry. I was looking away from the microphone. Are you back now? I, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm back. Well, you're hearing just the Skype audio, not the Oh, there we go. That's better. Audio. Whatever you just sorry. did is better. My microphone moved. Um, so... Uh, yeah, so anyway, I used to play piano, and then I played piano all through to college... Um, in fact, there was a time when I was in high school that I considered going and doing the classical route. Um, but, uh, you know, I'd, it's like classical piano, man. That's like tough. Holy shit, dude. Yeah, you want to talk about math. It doesn't and, get and more, skill. but it doesn't get more like just kind of like you spend 10 hours a day playing and you don't have any kind of life. No, it's insane. And, it's and insane. nowadays, very few people care. <laughs> it's well, uh, I guess you know so. what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, uh, it's it's a very I think it's a fairly thankless job unless you are the best of the best. Yeah, it's, it's which really I wasn't that obsessive. Anyway, Speaking, I, the, the, I remember the other thing I was going to talk about. So I was telling you about how my friend Jeff's um, wife is wife taking, taking drum, lessons. drum lessons, and so he and I were just chatting, and and he, for whatever reason, um, came across um, this uh, Chick Corea electric band performance, live performance. From what had to have been the late '80s, and uh, Weckl, oh uh, yeah, dude, Dave Weckl, John Patitucci, and I like Weckl. I mean, don't get me wrong, that that guy can definitely fucking play, but Jesus Christ, that yeah. shit is busy, man. Oh, too many notes. Holy crap, so many notes, and 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 the hair, wow. Um, well, it was the '88. What do you amazing, want? Amazing, amazing, amazing. Um, but it just got so. So he showed me this video. I'm going to see if I can find it, and I'll, I'll email it to you for the show notes if you want. Yeah. Um, and um, and and what 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 struck me is that this is a live performance. This isn't like a fucking stadium, dude. There were like had to have been hundreds of people, if not thousands of people, in the crowd digging this shit, yeah. digging these dudes, like just like you know playing so so many notes yeah um just wailing and, oh my god and it just i don't know i mean are there still people out there like i mean who are these people <laughs> you know there are weird people i guess all so over the place um crazy dude yeah um, the, uh, i don't i don't think they're uh, out there anymore like all the grp jazz people i don't know i mean i'm sure those the people are around but um I don't know. I guess I, I just can't really relate to those guys anymore, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it is, it sounds like, um, exercises and there is a time when that can sound fun. And then there's a point at which it just kind of sounds exhausting. Yeah. You know, I guess what we're talking about, it's interesting. Just thinking about it now, another, another example of what we're sort of talking about here. Um, we're talking about the extremes, right? Um, so another, another extreme that, could, could argue, arguably sound more like exercises than music uh, is is marching drum drum corps music. Sure. You ever listen to those dudes? Like, sure. the, the, holy crap, dude! You want to talk about like precision, like times twelve, like having twelve dudes standing like shoulder to shoulder playing the same fucking retardedly yeah. complex parts, like, yeah. and it's sounding like one dude, you know, like. From well, that's the crazy thing away. is that, like, you know, from one end to the other, there's enough time in there. Yeah, for the for the audio to reach, you know, the sound to reach the guy at the other end, thirty feet away. Yeah, that like time passes in that thirty feet. 
Yeah. You know, but and yet they still somehow but then make you it stand a hundred feet away from them, and it sounds like one giant dude playing all those yeah. all those notes together. Yeah. Um, and that and that's I mean, there's just something really impressive about that. But is that you know who who listens to that stuff? You know, I mean, like who who's really into that stuff? Not yeah. a, not a whole ton of people. No, I, think what's, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of music like that. I mean, I went to see uh, a couple of years ago. I went to see um, what the hell's the guy's name? Uh, Brad Meldow is a piano player jazz pianist uh-huh. and he's crazy crazy good um but he was playing downstairs you know downstairs at carnegie hall there's that other hall uh-uh. anyway downstairs at carnegie hall there's this other place new they just built it like 10 years ago or something okay and brad was playing there so we went to see it and he, he does one of his like signature things is that he does like kind of crazy jazz covers of uh, uh beatles tunes, tunes. Oh, okay beatles tunes sure yeah um including like this crazy version of Blackbird, which is like one of my favorite things ever. Anyway, he nice. played like Martha, my dear and all these kind of cool things. And I mean, they sound really cool because he's, he's, he's doing them just jazzy enough to be interesting. And it's you just know, solo piano, solo piano. Yeah. Nice. But, but most of his stuff is, you know, some standards and then he does some, his own original pieces and God, if it doesn't sound like that, he's just sitting up there masturbating. <laughs> like that's kind of what it felt like. Sure. You know, and but that's but here's the thing, man. That's okay for, yeah, for a no, lot of people. Sure. And yeah, a lot of people were totally digging it. To me, I was just like, I don't really want to sit here and listen to you masturbate. <laughs> um, yeah. Regardless of how good I think you are, and I think you're good. You no, know, I, I, that's Brad. that's kind of been my sort of my personal relationship with jazz is like, um, I mean, I, I didn't really spend too much time with it. Uh, I, I definitely dipped my my toe in the water and then waited around for a little while learned a couple of, of basic moves and then kind of realized that it wasn't for me and, and moved on. Sure. Um, but what, what I know, you know, I, I, I still feel like I have uh, a better than average, um, you know, capacity to swing. I think that's one of the key things that you need, you know, to, that defines jazz is, you know, you need to, you need to be able to, to, to replicate that feel. You need to be able to, sure. to, to perform and, 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 and speak that feel, so to speak. Yep. Not, and not, it's, it's, it, I mean, it, it sounds obvious, but there's, I mean, I'm sure you, you and I both have seen, there are people out there who just can't even do that. They could be the most technically competent yep. players out there, but if they, they just yeah. don't have that feel. Well, it's it's the whole thing right. when you look at, you, you look at like swinging eighths and it's written as eighth yeah. note and yeah, then, with the, tie. then yeah. the triplets and then yeah, yeah, they're yeah. like, no, no, no. And you if you, if you ever played it that <laughs> yeah, way, it would sound so dumb, <laughs> but there are dudes who play it that way. Oh, I know. So I, yeah. So I, anyway, my point is I, I knew, I knew enough to know that I had that going for me, but I, I also realized that I just, I just didn't, it didn't do anything. I didn't care enough. And yeah. what wound up happening was I realized that I like jazz was a kind of music that I, I, if I had to choose, I would much rather play it than listen to it. Unless I happened to know the dudes who were performing. And okay. I, you know, it, it became this weird sort of like personal thing where it's like, like this, like, for example, I, I would imagine that the, the, the people who are listening to our recording here, the ones who are the most into it are the people who actually know us, you know, mm-hmm. versus total strangers who don't really know us from one thing or another. It's like, who cares what these two fuckers have to say? But, you know, people who know us are going to be, oh, okay, cool. I know what he, you know, where he's been and what he, you know, what he, where he's coming from and, and I can relate to that. So, so, um, so I'm going to give it a shot. Um, and sure. you know, that's, that's kind of the way I feel about jazz. It's like, well, you know, I know that I know this guy and he, I might not, you know, he might even, might not even be a really particularly talented player, but because we have an existing relationship outside of the music, uh, I feel like there's, there's that much more of a connection, you know? And, uh, I don't know. And, and I guess the only, the only uh, exception to that rule would be for certain ridiculously famous people, you know? Like, if, if you were to say, hey, man, let's go see, like, Michelle Camilo or Chick Corea or, you know, or Dave Weckl or whatever, I, you know, I, I might be willing to go check that out just because that guy yeah. is really, really good. But if you're talking about just going to, like, a jazz club in New York to see a bunch of amazingly talented, yep. you know, guys who are fantastic at what they're doing, but I don't know who the hell they are, yeah. um, it's it's a little bit more of a hard sell for Like my, my friend Mark Small, who I shot last week, the yeah. sax player. For example. I mean, I'm sure, he's, a, I'm sure yeah. he's terrific. But Oh, he kills, yeah. But if you were to say, hey, man, let's go see this. Yeah. I, well, actually, in this case, if you were to say, hey, man, this is a friend of mine, let's go. I would be way more inclined to go than if you you were to say, "Hey, man, let's go to the you know jazz club. Let's go to Smalls corner. and see who's playing." Yeah, I'm, it's just just not for me. Yeah, I, I mean, I've I've gone and spent forty dollars to go see Chick play at Blue Note. And Fuck whatnot. yeah, dude, I would do that. 
And it's fun because it's kind of like, oh, he's Chick Corea, and how often, you know, who knows, he may die at some point. And well, then... and not to mention, he's going to probably play some of his own tunes, of some of which I know and actually like. Right. Uh, and, and that's actually to, to, to kind of come around and contradict myself a little bit. That is the one <laughs> thing I think that jazz does have going for it. Um, and this is actually an interesting segue for me in that. Um, so one of the cool things that uh, I think that's really neat about jazz as a performance kind of music is that um, in addition to uh, original compositions, there's all there's the whole standards thing. Sure. Right. There's no there's no no limitation, no shortage of other people's tunes out there like they're dudes who can literally get up on stage and entertain for hours and hours and hours and not having played, you know, an original composition, but right. still get the same kind of critical, you know, critical claim yeah. and, and, and wide acceptance. Well, because even if they're playing Stella by Starlight, they're playing their, it's their version. It's and, their version. Exactly. Right. And so I, I kind of think and they're and, soloing and whatnot. So yeah, yeah. Like, and, yeah. The, and they're soloing. And then obviously different bands, different instruments, different arrangements, different tempos. You can, you know, twist sure. it and turn it, whatever. But um, what I was going to say is I um, one of the bands that I play in pretty regularly is a, is a cover band, as you know. Um, and and you guys are having a gig on Thursday in the Lower East Side, right? We do. In fact. Yeah, I, it's in my Google calendar. How about that? Yeah, uh, it's going to be an experimental gig, so uh, by all means, come out. Experimentals? How? Well, we've never played at this p- particular venue oh, okay. before. It's, it's not that you're playing experimental music. Oh no, we will be playing playing all experimental music as well. <laughs> yes, it's a John Cage extravaganza. I'm actually going to ask you to cover um, uh, Miley Cyrus. Okay. Um, what's the What's the um, party in the USA? I don't know. I think I could, you guys can pull it off. I could fake it pretty yeah. easily. Oh, I'm but, sure you can. The question yeah. is whether what's his name knows the knows, <laughs> yeah, the, that's, knows that's the chords. That's the name of the game. But yeah, so what I was going to say is is what what I really dig about playing in this band is that we we sort of have the same sort of thing that jazz guys get with the standards thing. Where yeah. and, and this again, this kind of comes around to the whole familiarity thing that I was talking about a little before. When people hear things that they know or that they can relate to, even if it's totally off base, even if it's out of fucking tune sometimes. The fact that they recognize it. Um, I know that song. Yeah. It's like, oh, I love this song. Okay, but Dan, the question it begs the question, yeah. why is something familiar to you and why is it that you stop finding new familiar things when you turn 30? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I Yeah, I do and, know and, what you're And saying. that is a thing, right? I mean, like, I, I think there's actually some actual psychology involved in that in because in Doug, uh, Oliver Sacks book the musicology you ever read any of his stuff no he's the guy like who wrote awakenings okay uh, that's and with Robert Robin Williams and Robert yeah. De Niro he's he's the guy that that book is based on and it's he wrote it and and uh-huh. he's this crazy psychological guy he's genius he's fantastic uh-huh. he lives in New York actually up on City Island cool uh, I almost saw him for 365 but he was like yeah he decided he didn't want to get his picture taken uh-huh. um Anyway, he d- he does really weird things like uh, he has a book, uh, the the man who mistake his wife for a hat and stuff <laughs> okay. like that. Like he you know he like he goes and talks to the brain surgeon who has Tourette's, but uh-huh. but while he's performing surgery, he never has an attack. You know? Did you see that thing on Boing Boing about the dude who was uh, this this brain scientist who does stuff with magnets? No. It's crazy, man. He had these electromagnets. I'm assuming they were electromagnets. And, and depending on where he held them up to your head, he could uh, like essentially disable certain parts of your brain. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. So he had this guy like reciting Humpty Dumpty, you know, the rhyme. And, yeah. and like, um, you know, he flicks the switch and boom. And then the guy's like, you can't fucking do it, you know? And all of a sudden he starts singing the Humpty dance instead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, it, no, true. So anyway, no, I, but the weird I'll, thing about that, just to finish that story, was that the same in the same spot, the guy could sing the tune because apparently singing comes from of a the different brain. part of the brain. Yeah, weird. Anyway, uh, yeah. So Oliver Sacks, uh, in one of his books, apparently wrote why it was his book or some other book. Anyway, they basically wrote there is a reason why, and I will have to look it up and find it. But there's a reason why you you stop liking new things. Like there's okay. an evolutionary brain reason to do it. I guess that makes. I mean, maybe it has the whole. The, the, it's it's related to something with the whole, um, settle down, yeah. thing that people get like baby fever, you know, yeah. something like that. And I would you, guess you, you find what works and you stick with that, you know. Yeah, and then, um, I mean, there are of course people that you know who are sort of music hounds and they keep listening to new stuff forever. Yeah, um, that's true. And you know what? There's a lot of people too who music doesn't mean all that much. 
to exactly, and that's that's kind of coming which, around to the other thing we we're talking about as far as which are very odd to me. Those people. Well, I don't, I don't understand know, it because I mean, it's so it means so much to me that I can't believe that it doesn't mean something to other people. Uh, yeah, I don't. But, I don't need it to mean the same thing. But some people are just like, ah, it's music on in the background. Music, yeah, but is you music. know what? The, the, you can say this. There's all kinds of shit like that, man. Some people are like that about food. Sure, you know? I I'm mean, somewhat I, like that about food. Yeah, some people don't give a fucking shit. I'm I'm on the you know more on that side of the fence yeah. of the I don't really care what I eat kind yeah, of thing. Except um, when we go to IHOP and it was awesome. It was okay. It, oh, I, that was it tasty. Was, it was good. It was good. It was more of the environment that was a little weird. Um, well, it's IHOP in Brooklyn. What do you want? Yeah, well, yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, but you know, and and people could say the same thing about you know movies or or uh, or cars. You know, sure, traveling. Politics, Jesus. Let's not even get started. Oh, with lots that, of right? people don't like politics. Sure, or, or like just just think of how you don't care about politics. Right? I do. I do not. Really. See, this is the thing. You're right. Yeah. No, you're right. It's true. I don't know. I just I just figure that it's so emotionally tied to so many things. You know, you hear some song that you dance to at the prom or with your first yeah, girlfriend. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But man. there are some people. Even that stuff doesn't do anything. You know. Yeah. Well, it's just. I mean, and I mean, I get. I still get baffled that there are people who can't fucking whistle. And people who can't clap a beat, you know, who can't yeah. clap in time. Yeah. Um, or or don't know to clap on two and four. It, yeah, exactly. It's that. I mean, same thing. Or, or the, and then there's some people who can't, like, who can't um, recognize simple errors in spelling or grammar. Sure. It's like you can have a, a full, proper conversation with someone, and then they'll send you an email, and it, and it looks like it was written by someone who just, you know, like, translated from Chinese or something like that. Sure. You know? And I, I mean, I don't see the disconnect. You know, it's like this person is making one hundred eighty thousand dollars a year as a financial blah blah blah, and you get this email from him, and it's like, what? Yeah, it sounds like he's <laughs> how twelve. Does, how does that work? Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, I'm giving you that. Yep. I don't know. Music is—it's just—it's a weird thing. And even going forward, um, just to, <laughs> you know, I sold—I sold my iPad. Oh yeah, you did. Yes, I did. Um, did you get what you were asking for it? I got just about what I was asking for it. Yeah. I, nice. I think I lost like 20 bucks or 30 bucks. Well, think, think of that as a rental fee. Exactly. There you go. Um, and, you know, it, you still, they're still hard to get. So the, my friend who bought it off me in the end uh-huh. uh, got a good deal too. So sure, it's, all, sure. it's all good. Hey, there you go. Um, but I'll tell you one cool thing that it did do was the version of the remote app. Uh-huh. The Apple remote? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They did a good job on that. Yeah, it's really good. And it's like the idea of me sitting down in my sweet spot of my stereo. Yeah. And, you know, I've got a serious stereo. You know what you should do? What? You should consider an iPod Touch. Well, I mean, my next phone will probably be an iPhone. Really? I thought you hate iPhones. Uh, I There are things about iPhones that drive me nuts. That's uh, what I meant. But they But some of the things that really drove me nuts, they've improved upon. Okay. Well, that's reasonable. Um, for example, exchange support for Google. So now my contacts and everything would come down all – I don't have to deal with address book and all that crap uh-huh. um, and some other little things like that. What if that. you have multiple Google accounts then? Uh, I do, but I only have one that I actually care about. Everything else funnels into it. I see. Um, anyway, so if I had that and – th- and there's actually Android apps for that do iTunes remote that people have written. Um, I just don't feel like paying 10 bucks for one, you know. Oh, did you see that? Uh, You probably don't care about this. Well, maybe you will. Some dude reverse engineered the... Oh, yeah, the AirPlay? Yeah. Well, the Apple... No, not the AirPlay, but the the Apple uh, Airport Express hardware key. Yeah. Yeah. So so he basically lets other devices pretend that they're Airport Expresses. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, so that you can It's crazy cool, actually. What strikes me, what shocks me is that that hasn't been done sooner, man. I'm like, come on. The Airport Express is like almost 10 years old at this point. Yeah, but you know what? Maybe it's, I mean, if it's a 128-bit key and, you know. I guess. This is is big numbers and who bothered to try to figure it out, you know. Um, It's, no, that's very cool, in fact. Although, you know, it's becoming less of an issue now. I mean, there there was a time at which I was like, I want to be able to send, even with the remote thing, that was pretty cool because I could sit down access all the music on my desktop which is like 50,000 songs now uh-huh. uh, or some ridiculous thing and just pull up a track just from my sweet spot you know like anything and it goes lossless over to the airport express optical into my fancy adcom digital audio digital analog oh, so converter you're one of the you're one of the, like the six people who uses that whole TOS link thing. oh yeah <laughs> uh, it's a, a toss link optical yeah nice. um 
which then has to go into a converter box because the digital sure. input in my CD player is coaxial. Right. Of course. Right. <laughs> of course it is. Um, so anyway, the long story short is that, that that was pretty cool. It wasn't worth $600 to me, but... Well, here's... And that's what I was thinking, man. You get an iPod Touch... Yeah. Even the little one, it's what two, three hundred bucks, right. half the price. Does almost all of the same exact stuff, yeah. Uh, and it's smaller. It's I, I, th- I think it's a more. I, I don't know. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, I definitely get the iPad, yeah. um, but you don't get folks, it for you necessarily. No, nah, not for me. Yeah. It doesn't work for well, me. Well, here's the thing, though. I mean, you could do nowadays. You can do that weird home sharing stuff between iTunes that they've yeah, just turned that's on. That's true. That's so true. I could sit there with my laptop, have my laptop getting the music from my desktop, but then streaming it straight to. It, I get the same thing. Yeah. Essentially, from using my laptop. Anyway, yeah, you should you should get an 11 inch Air, man. That that machine's the shit. I, I know. I've, that, I've, that I know would two, be three people at. now who will not ever like they cannot say enough good yeah. things about it. The thing is, is that I I really don't need a laptop. Yeah. Like I mean, I have my unibody MacBook, and you know what? It's fine. And yeah. I just read last week that with a recent firmware upgrade that uh, Apple did, mm-hmm. uh, these now support eight gigs of RAM. Oh, my oh. machine and eight yeah. gigs of RAM is like a hundred bucks. So it's, it's kind of like put that in, put a two hundred dollar SSD for three hundred dollars. I have a screaming little machine. Yeah, that, that is going to be a lot firewall. faster than the airport. The, the you know, the amount of times that I really need a tiny, tiny machine. Yeah, no, and that's thirteen inches is small enough. I mean, that machine's not yeah. like a terrible. No, burden. it's four and a half pounds or something like that. Yeah, I mean, for the few times machine. that I actually travel and need to bring my laptop, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. I mean, it's funny. I, I mean, so I, as you might know, um, I'll wrap this up. I'll wrap sure. our chat up with this change of subject. Um, I am on the sort of precipice of a of a pretty big change, um, lifestyle wise. Uh, I'm going to be moving from being employed full time to self employment, part time. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, whatever you want to call it, full time self employment, uh, freelance, what have you, contracting. That would be Friday. Uh, tomorrow is my last day. Oh, actually, okay. A full time, um, which is followed immediately by uh, uh, you know not all day, but a daytime photo gig. Um, on Wednesday, and then I have a couple things going on on Thursday, but uh, yeah. So long, long story short, you know my my day to day is going to be changing. You know, yep. um, for the past year, a little over a year, um, you know the whole nine to five thing where you have a computer at your desk at, at work and you're pretty much staying there the whole time, and then you have a computer at home, and you know your needs computer wise that you know they 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 change or they they they're dependent on on how you how you use your day. And so I'm kind of curious and wondering uh, how how my needs are going to change um, as as my new whatever as this new phase uh, sure. develops. I'm, I'm kind of kind of psyched about it. But at least your your main machine is still a laptop anyway. Yeah, it is. Um, although it never leaves my desk. I mean, honestly, it might as well be a desktop. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you saw it. I even have a freaking extended keyboard sitting on top of it. <laughs> um, yeah just because it's more comfortable to type on for me, and I like to use the arrow keys. I I like desktops. I've always liked desktops. Yeah, yeah. Um, Even my sister was bitching because she has my old MacBook Pro, the the old aluminum one. Oh, you had one? I didn't know you had one of those. I had a 15-inch, which I gave to my sister when I bought my unibody. So Mm. it was actually a pretty sweet laptop to give to your sister. No, for sure. Uh, but you know what? The thing's five years old, and it's still cooking pretty good. Wow, those are great machines. Uh, But she was saying that she really wants her... Like the Microsoft Natural Keyboards, you know, the nice split ergonomic ones. I hate those things, man. She loves those. And I, I like Ugh. them, too. I mean, if you're typing, that's, you know, a better thing. You know? No way, um, dude. Well, you know, it's really funny is that we went over. You'll like this. <laughs> oh, boy. We went over to uh, a friend's house for dinner on Friday, Heather and I. And uh, the boyfriend, Evan, uh, or actually husband now, mm. um, is a real... Uh, computer guy. And when I say real computer guy, I'm talking that he has a PhD in computer science from MIT. Okay. You know. Sounds pretty real. Yeah. Like he, he does like hardcore real time database stuff, you know, huh. the, the, you know, sub millisecond database queries. Sweet. Yeah. I mean, basically the kind of stuff only the military ever needs. Right. Does <laughs> he have an oscilloscope? Yeah. I, he probably does. Anyway, what was interesting about it was not only did he, he still runs. He's serious, serious guy. But you know what he has for his main machine? A Mac Mini from 1996. Uh, no, a, a, white, a white MacBook. A white what? A white MacBook. MacBook. Oh, the first gen MacBook. Yeah, plugged into uh, plugged nice. into a kind of mediocre 24 inch screen that's only like 1080p and uh, 
but what's interesting about it because most of the stuff that he does is all in a terminal window anyway it doesn't matter say, to him. dude These power doesn't matter to him. shit yeah. right uh, what was interesting, though, is that he had like five different terminal windows open up, which were all talking to servers at MIT. Uh-huh. It was kind of badass. You know, yeah, stuff man. that's like beyond. I mean, I understand what he's doing on a vague level, but like it's cool seeing somebody actually doing it, you know. But yeah, no. the reason I, I bring this up is that his keyboard uh-huh. was one oh, of those. Oh, was he a Dvorak dude? Okay. Not only was he Dvorak. Oh, boy. <laughs> But he also had one of those crazy keyboards that is split, and then the keys are in sort of a concave thing on each side. Oh, I know the kind that you're talking about. <laughs> and, like, the space bar is only a button with the right thumb, and yeah. then control and stuff are, like, buttons with the left thumb. And, yeah. And so, but here's the thing. The keyboard was a QWERTY keyboard, but he drives it as a Dvorak. So when he hits what is supposed to be an R, it ends up being a T or whatever the hell it is, right? Yeah. But he knows it well enough that he just touch types anyway. And I'm like, yeah. you know what that is? That's badass right there. That's that's as hardcore as it gets right there. Man. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, you are so cool. The <laughs> only more hardcore than I could think of, this is, now this is a way, this is way deep. You might not remember this. So there's this super nerd. I remember this. I want to say 1990, 1990. Okay. I'm going to guess 1990. I remember reading an article in... I want to say it was Mac World magazine. Okay. About this super nerd who built this insane recumbent bicycle. I believe it was called the Behemoth, and that was some stupid acronym for something. The Behemoth? Yeah. Um, I'm sure if we Google for it, we can find it. Okay. Um, and this dude used um, – he had a like this whole state-of-the-art like uh, eyeglass-mounted um, like thing so that he can control a mouse – with his eyes, like on you know, with his yeah, glasses, yeah, yeah. and then built into the handlebars on the bike, and this is recumbent, <laughs> mind you. He had one of those crazy multi-finger cording keyboards. Of course he did. So, and he was able to like type, like you know, using a co- you know combinations of of his individual fingers. Sure. Uh, to to type onto the yeah, those cording keyboards is pretty much the only thing further that's his, down the that's line. That's more hardcore. That's the most hardcore. Yeah. So like, if this guy was so dedicated, and then you know this, let me let me just finish drawing the picture here. When I say recumbent bicycle I mean that's just the front of it it was it was basically like like a like if you can imagine like a bicycle that was a semi truck sure he's trailer yeah he had like this giant like huge trailer with a computer and you all would have random to, gear you? behind him yeah uh, I want to say it was running an SE30 or something like that, some some old school Mac. Well, but, you know, uh, it's funny. I asked Evan how he learned Dvorak and he said <laughs> he never had a Dvorak keyboard. He printed out the keyboard layout and yeah, had dude, the no, printout no, in front of his keyboard for like six weeks. Yeah, and but nobody makes the Dvorak keyboard. I right. Mean, come on, dude. There are I mean, a couple specialty companies that do, but yeah, yeah not but really. The, the first time I ever heard of it was through the Mac OS, and, and the first time I ever encountered it in real life was actually working at Apple, and it turns out that there's this whole sect, like this this weird little subset of Apple employees, the guys who all worked in the Apple Care Support Center before the Apple Store opened. Um, it was a really, it was way harder to get a gig at Apple doing tech support because um, a you had to. Well, there live were less either, apples. Well, yeah, there's less computers, and also um, you had to live in like either Austin or California. Like they only had one or two support centers. Um, so, you know, it was, it was a much smaller, I don't know, it was a much smaller and way more specialized deal. Sure. And, and, and some of these guys, you know, some of the, the best guys at, at this, at this company, you know, doing this work were really freaking sharp and they spent all their time writing case notes, you know, and being able to transcribe, you know, your conversation with whoever you're talking to on the phone as quickly as possible was a really big deal, you know? So, yeah. so that, and, you know, sure enough. If Apple uses that internally, yeah. <laughs> they're going to they're gonna build it into their software. And I, I mean, I think Dvorak was adopted into the OS as early as, I want to say, Mac OS 8. Um, oh, sure. I probably mean, even can, earlier. Same thing on Windows. I mean, you can but, go back I mean, to it, Windows But it was 95. available as like an alternative, key, like a multi, you know, you had yeah, to, they, they threw it in with the, with, the, with the foreign languages. They threw it in there with yep. that, you know, which yeah, is Yeah, same of, thing on Windows. cool. Yeah. But like no one, no one used it. I, no, I never knew anyone who used it either. Or, you know, the people who have the keyboards that have no markings at all on them. Oh, yeah. That's Ultra pretty hardcore too. For sure. Man, that's some nerdy stuff. How do we end up on that after music? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. We just said I said the word courting before. That has, that's have we music. said have we said our piece on music? Uh, not really. I mean, long story short, I don't really listen to new music unless somebody introduces it to me, yeah. or I recognize something. Yeah, for me, it's all about the familiarity. I mean, I keep coming back to that. 
Um, so uh, I, I basically need to hear something that reminds me of something else or that's a new version of an older thing that I liked before kind of thing like that. That's, yeah. that's kind of where I'm at now. I tend to agree. I was mm. searching, searching, searching for a copy of my – there's a Counting Crows record, This Desert Life, from about 12 years ago mm. that I used to listen to all the time when I first went freelance. Mm. And I could not find the CD, and I looked through my CD stack like three times a few weeks ago. Couldn't mm. find it. Finally found an MP3 version of it on one of my old hard drives. Mm. And then last night I was looking for another CD, and it was sitting right there. Don't. You ever have that, like where you're like searching for something, and it was right there in front of you yes. the whole time? Happens to me all the time. Ah, it drives me nuts. Anyway. Anyway. We'll get to that next time. We have sure. some suggestions of things we should talk about. Yes. Um, um, one guy suggested that we talk about how you choose images for your portfolio. Mm, another another friend of mine suggested that we talk about... Um, His name is I, James Taylor, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. But he actually looks Asian. Mm, interesting. Uh, he claims to be a stoner, too. Oh, he's in Orange County. How about that? Yeah. Um, no, I was going to say the other the other suggestion we had was was where do you where do you uh, come up, come up with ideas? How do you get ideas for stuff? Oh, that's a good one for making stuff. You know, in some ways those are partially related. Yeah, maybe we can talk about that next time. Although yeah. now that we, I think we we're starting to, I think we might have hit some weird sort of. Uh, a bump in our in our re- listenership or okay. follow, following. Sure. So maybe maybe we can now solicit like legitimately solicit. Um, yeah. Some ideas. Well, I think see, I think we need happens. to set up a better thing with a better commenting system. Yeah, yeah. We a need like, a proper a proper web page. Okay. Uh, well, maybe I'll do that tomorrow or something. Cool. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, thanks.